This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry, and with me is Tim Parrish and Clemente Lisi. And this is our first show of 2024. We had a nice little three-week break, nice long intermission, whatever you want to call it, a holiday, whatever. Well, it was a holiday, you know, lots of holidays, you know, New Year's Eve and Christmas and this and that, whatever. So guys, how you been? What have you been up to? Clemente, we'll start with you. How's uh, how's things been treating you over these past couple of weeks? And what's the latest and the greatest? Uh, happy New Year, first of all. And uh, no, things have been good. You know, New Year is always fun because it's the start of something fresh. Things have been good. I was very happy to take a break and get a bit of a rest and enjoy some good eating and some family. And now that's back to normal. Nice. And Tim, how about you? I'm still sucking air, sucking air. So I'm alive. That's but, good. You know, everything's good on this on this end. It was a busy, um, busy Christmas. Not really busy New Year. I was actually in bed by seven o'clock. I had a headache, so went to sleep. And then I woke up at like eleven fifty nine and told my wife Happy New Year and went back to sleep. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm 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 too old to go out partying now. Yeah. I think unless you have something really cool planned, you just don't want to go off the cuff. Like if somebody invites you to something and you go, yeah, that sounds nice, you can kind of get up for it. But I don't think like four days before New Year's, you're gonna be like, I need to find something to do. Now we're just like, mm, I need to find nothing to do. We used to have a Christmas or a New Year's party that we would always go to every year. But we lost that in the divorce, so uh, so that's gone. Hmm. Yeah, those those people split up, so we don't do that anymore. And we used to get asked to do shows all the time on New Year's, mm-hmm. the band. But we were always like, nope, we don't want to be out anywhere where it's just sloppy amateur hour. So right, right, because people won't actually be listening to your music; they'll be too busy drinking and partying. And New Year's Eve, the day before Thanksgiving, and St. Patrick's Day are like sloppy amateur hour days for to be out there bands get paid a lot but you know what it's not worth it so i had a good christmas and you know it's funny we weren't going to exchange gifts this year my family but my sister bought me a blaster box of upper deck series one she put a gold bow on it which was nice because it actually matched the color of the box and i said to her i said oh I, i thought we weren't exchanging presents she said no this is just a little something because you know you you bought dinner because we didn't want to have like the turkey dinner. So we did like ribs and chicken and pizza and just like food that wow. we like actually really wanted to eat. That's like and, a smorgasbord feast right there. Yeah. So, I mean, so I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'll pay for it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to pay for it. Right. So my sister's like, well, yeah, you spent all this money on food. I just wanted to get you a little something. So she got me a, a blaster box of series one. But what was funny was she just stuck a bow on it and she said, well, the cards are already wrapped. What am I going to do? Wrap them again? And I, I just thought that was a funny thing. Like, yeah, you're, you're right. Each one is in its own little, each 12 cards or whatever in their own little wrapper. But then what was it like New Year's Eve? I couldn't stay up. I was t- I was tired. I was like trying to watch a movie. And I, all right, screw this. I'm going to go to bed, right? Next day I got up, lifted weights, 
So, all right, January one, I'm starting, I'm starting great, you know, going to lift weights, you know, and then around uh, about first period of the winter classic, my throat starts hurting and I tested positive for COVID. And for those of you who are keeping score at home, this is the third time that I've gotten COVID-19. Now, my most recent COVID booster was a month before I went to Toronto for the Fall Expo. I wanted to make sure that that booster shot was at like full potency when I was going to Toronto. So I, I did that. And here's the other messed up thing. Absolutely nobody in my circle got sick. Nobody. I'm the only one. I mean, I got sick on Monday. I spent Saturday with my girlfriend. And then I spent like all day Sunday helping my aunt with this like project, like putting wheels on like a, a kitchen island. She has one and she wanted wheels on it. So we had to flip it over and do the whatever. So this was like a four or five hour project. This wasn't just like one and done. So the two people that I was closest to those two days leading up to COVID, nothing. I saw my dad and my brother and his wife and everybody like around Christmas weekend, you know, or that, that span of like three days, I was like constantly hanging out with people. None of them got sick. So, Hey, you know, I'm glad that there's uh, three of us hosting the show now. Cause I'll probably be hitting that mute button a lot to cough. You got the COVID hat trick. Yeah. I only got, I only got COVID twice. So, but I guess we're all bound to get it again. Oh, wow. Um, so Knock on wood, even though my desk is glass. And Tim, I think you said you got COVID before they even know it was COVID. So you're like an OG. You're like an yeah, OG nineteener. Well, I got I got sick before the whole thing happened, but I mean, it was just like normal sick. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but that was a while before before yeah, that whole thing. before we even knew what was going on. So uh, yeah, I only got uh, one jab. It was the JJ. And I had COVID once. It lasted for three days and it was done. Wow. So I've not had any of the other stuff. So Yeah. I don't want to debate the the merits of the booster shot or not getting the booster shot or whatever. But like like I said, I can't figure out how I got sick and like nobody else did. And like, you know. I have no political reasons for getting or not getting it. I just have it because I'm lazy and I don't want to. That's that it. That's fine. I mean, you know, like <laughs> that's like I, my only reasons. You know, and it's funny too, because like like somebody said to me, like a friend of mine was like, Well, how do you know you just don't have a cold? And I said, Because I know what I feel like when I have a cold, and when I have a cold, I don't have a sore throat and I don't have a headache, and my whole body isn't sore. You know what I mean? Right. When you feel like your whole body is wrapped in a blanket of soreness and your head is hurting and your throat is sore, and you can't stop coughing and blowing your nose. Or maybe you have everything at the same time. I don't know. It's that time of year, though, with the weather getting colder and drier. And This is true. Oh, you know what I did do, though? I watched a lot of TV over, like, my winter break. And I finally got around to watching that documentary, Untold Crime and Penalties, about the Danbury Trashers team that was, like, was, like, this minor league team in the United Hockey League, this, like, mobster guy who was in the trash business, he bought the team, this expansion team, and then he gave it to his 17-year-old son to be the GM and president. And it was like... If Amazing you, story. It's an well, amazing story. 
if you could think of like a 17 year old knucklehead getting to run a hockey team and how well that would go, it's about as well as it went. You know, like, you think like it wasn't like the movie Major League where the kid is in charge. Uh, well, Major League. That was a Major League. That was the other one. Um, Rookie of the Year was Rookie of the Year, right? It was the the picture. It didn't go like that. No, I mean, like when he says when he says that I love WWE wrestling and I want to build a team like Slapshot. That's basically what the Danbury Trashers and they were called the Trashers because the dad had the trash business. So it was this trash can with a hockey stick, which is actually a pretty cool logo. You go back and look at the list of players that have played for that team in its existence, they had a lot of like NHLers. Uh, just a couple. Team. They had most notably Mike Rupp. Yes, Rupper was on that team. And uh, Rudham Nadir, the um, uh, former Sabre. Oh, Ruman. Ruman, sorry. Yes. yes. Ruman. Ruman Nadir. Brent, Brent Gretzky played on that team. But he never played in the, in the NHL. No, but people know who that is just yeah. because it's Wayne's brother. I liked the documentary, but I was also bored of it. Like, it felt too long. It was like 90 minutes. It was 85 minutes, okay? But it felt too long. And then the other thing I didn't like about it, not that we're getting into this critique of it, but I am going to post my review of it on Puck Junk because I watched it, so I might as well write about it now, is that the team only lasted two seasons, and they kind of just, like, take the best parts of both seasons and use that to tell the story, but they kind of mix them up. So you don't know that, like, I want my documentaries to be kind of linear, right? So when he goes, oh, you know, we signed Mike Rupp so that we can make a big push during the playoffs because the NHL was locked out. So, you know, he was going to help us in the playoffs. And then, and then later on, they're like, but it was too bad that we got eliminated in the finals. And then I looked at that and they're actually talking about two different seasons. And then they keep intercutting, like, Here's some guys who played in the second year. Here's a guy who played only the first year. Here's a guy who played both seasons. And you don't know. Like, I kind of wanted them to be like, this is how they did in year one. This is how they did in year two. You know what I mean? Because they did did a really good job of, like, setting up how the team came into existence and, like, everything they did to build the team. You know, because this guy was like, hey, I was 17. I didn't know how to build a hockey team. So I talked to my my high school hockey coach or whatever. And and that was interesting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's worth watching. That's for sure. I actually wished it was longer. I wanted it to be like a series, like a multi-part, because it was just fascinating to me how this whole thing went down and how that mm-hmm. team was formed and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to talk more about kind of the team falling apart, I think, later on. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with Jimmy Galante and his 72 charges of racketeering and going to jail and having to disband the team because they found out they circumvented the salary cap by giving players and their wives no-show positions with the trash company. <laughs> for, I mean, it's it's owner, a great like, story. For the owner, it was like a twofer. He can do like a money laundering, no-show job thing while running a hockey team. So, Well, supposedly they're making this into – they're going to make the story into a movie. I haven't heard anything other than the initial thing and the fact that they announced like who some of the actors were going to be, but that was I maybe that's what you see your multi-part Netflix type movie. Then maybe okay. So speaking of Netflix, because also on Netflix, so this was on Netflix. But um, the other thing I watched after that, because I was like, well, that was an... I liked it because it was hockey. But as far as documentaries go, I mean, it was just okay. Was the story interesting? Yes. Was it like too good to be true? 
Yes, but I felt like the execution was just so-so, if that makes sense, right? Um, Netflix has this documentary on the American Gladiators called Muscles and Mayhem. And I just finished watching it this morning. It's like five episodes that are like 40 minutes each. Dude, It that was awesome. That was awesome. And that was like a total like cradle to the grave kind of thing where they like they talked about how it started, how it went, how it ended. And what's great about it is that like as like new gladiators were added in later seasons, they introduced them into the documentary later on. You know what I mean? Like they say, and then they added these people in season three. And then we start hearing from these people when they start talking about season three. I always hate it when they're like, well, we're going to talk to everybody from the first moment. But then you find out, oh, well, this guy was only on for four episodes. Why is he talking throughout the whole five-part docuseries? You know, so that was awesome. Four stars. Would recommend. Yeah, there's two different versions of that, too. So the one we were talking about is the Netflix one. There's also an ESPN one, too. About uh, American Gladiators? Yeah. The ESPN one is the... 30 for 30 it was, right? Yeah, that's the authorized one. The one on Netflix is the unauthorized one. The ESPN was very good because I remember they they were talking about the working conditions and everything else, and it was pretty abysmal in terms of, you know, the the, the guy that created it and everything else. It actually was very good, but... You know, well, the reason why I was split is because there's two different factions of the original group of gladiators. That's right. There's like two different. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's because right. like some of them stayed on. I mean, the way the story goes, some of them got paid to stay on. And the other ones were fighting for like better contracts and, and this and that and the other. And it just created a divide between the once friends. And so there was one team went this way and one team went this way. So each documentary talks to each group. Mm. So if you take both documentaries, you can basically piece them together and get the whole story. It was also well, very sad the way it all ended. And then these guys had like, oh yeah. one of them was like, he had no job after that. Like he couldn't get hired anywhere. And yeah, it's pretty, it's, yeah. it's good, but it is, um, you know, cause we remember that from our childhood watching it on Saturdays and it was a great oh, show, yeah. but then you realize some of the uh, hardships some of these guys went through. Um, I even like the reboot that they did for a little while with Hulk Hogan and uh, Layla Ali as the host i thought that was decent but it it's felt funny a little short in a, in a in a reality show world that show doesn't seem to work anymore in the 90s it nothing like that it was like a game show meets wwe you know and right. today that that's seems like that's the thing lot, that's why i like the reboot that's right. why i like the reboot because i like the original but the, right. trying to get new crowd and new people it just didn't work well, I mean, if you didn't have American Gladiators, you wouldn't have American Ninja Warrior, you wouldn't have Titan Games, you wouldn't have all these other like yeah. similar type of things where it's like contestants trying to do these physical things. I don't know. I wasn't like a really big American Gladiators fan, and that's not the point of this podcast anyways. But, you know, I have been geeking out on, uh, you know, besides watching a lot of hockey you know, sometimes I just want to watch other stuff. And when you're like off from teaching and working and everything, and you're like, hmm, it's two in the afternoon and hockey's not on till six. Uh, maybe I'll watch something on Netflix, you know, and then you kind of kind of start looking. So anyway, I thought this was interesting. They're going to do an expo in Quebec. But we have the fall expo and the spring expo in Toronto. And then they have the Edmonton expo, which is in May. And now they're adding a Quebec Expo February 9th through 11th. So, you know, that's good to see that there's more of these 
I don't want to say bigger shows in Canada because I know there are other big shows in Canada and I'm sure there's like Canadian listeners who are like, well, what about the show that they have in Vancouver? You never talk about that. Well, it's like, well, I don't ever go to it and I kind of know of it, but I don't know much about it because I've never been there and it's kind of off of my, I don't know, kind of, even though I'm Midwest, I'm really close, closer to the East than the West, if that makes sense. I don't know why they call us the Midwest and not the Mid East. I guess because we were west of where it started, right? Like the whole like what New York and, and New England area. I mean, that was like kind of ground zero for this this American experiment. But yeah, so Quebec Expo should be interesting. Nice to see. Wonder if they'll have expos in every Canadian region that has a hockey team eventually one day. Is this, is this the part of the show where we talk about there's too many card shows? No, it's it's but look, it's it, you know, when we went to Toronto, there was a pretty big contingent of French speaking Canadians. So this kind of puts a show in their backyard. And it's kind of funny. There was an article in The New York Times this weekend, of all places, talking about how. You know, kind of bemoaning the 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 Quebec Nordiques and how that was all part of a political campaign back then to, 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 to leave Canada and how that was that failed on two occasions in a referendum and then. There are people who still kind of feel like they miss the team. And we've all seen people in the Quebec's gear. I think we saw people in Toronto with it. I mean, Sal was wearing a, a Nordiques hat at one point. So, I mean, it's it's a, it's iconic to wear, you know, or see symbols from the 80s and 90s today. So it is interesting to have the expo kind of expand in these other markets. And I can see maybe them having a show in Montreal at some point or other cities. Um, there's already other shows Sal mentioned in Canada, but the Expo brand is a big name and it'll definitely draw people to it. That's for sure. Well, that yeah. gives them their fourth one. So you got a February in Quebec, you got April and November in Toronto and May in Edmonton. So it basically keeps them going every two, three months that way, as opposed to just twice a year. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's exciting. That's good news. Another thing that's interesting, just found out about this today on Facebook President's Choice Trading Cards is releasing a set called Tough Guys. And you can imagine well, who the focus of the set is. It's of enforcers. So it's a memorabilia-only product. No autographs. No base cards. You're going to get four memorabilia cards per box. No price has been announced yet. It's going to be available online at President's Choice Trading Cards as well as through some distributors who sell President's Choice cards. Like I know like their Indecrease set, they didn't actually sell on their website. That just went through like their distributor networks and was like sold at like card shops and stuff. Is this a POD uh, set or is it going to be like, like packed out and packed random. out, packed out four cards per box. I've saw, seen some of the pictures. So they tend to use a lot of illustrations like, there's one called like dual memorabilia spelled D-U-E-L. The card is Ty Domi and Bob Probert. And it has like a piece of Jersey patch from each of them. And then like an illustration of each of them. And I like them. I mean, they're, they're pretty cool looking cards. There was another one. It was, um, it was the uh, stick handle that uh, the stick handle cards are the ones that use the name of the the player from their stick but the one that they're showing the promo image they're showing is like dave manson so you know it just says manson from a stick don't know when it's coming out yet that's all i know about it and i've reached out to them and that's all they told me there's no checklist yet 
No, no checklist. Harkens back to the 11, 12 enforcer set that we all love. Loved it. Yeah. I regret not buying a case of it when I had the chance. There were two enforcer sets. Was it 11, 12, and 13, 14? Yeah, the first one came out in 11, 12. The second one was later because it was towards the end. Going back to the Enforcer set from, you know, 10 years ago now, if you want Hanson Brother autographs that won't cost you an arm and a leg, that's where to look because they're in there and they're affordable. That was a great set. Very underrated. So another thing that just was announced, the Bobby Orr collection, that's a set of NFTs limited to 1,444 copies i'm not a big nft guy but i do know that with this nft set bobby Orr collection certain nfts if you buy them you also get signed bobby or memorabilia i don't know exactly what because they haven't really said but that's just kind of interesting just because you know anytime you mentioned bobby or an autograph it's it's newsworthy even if you're not into nfts i'm not an nft guy in fact I bought one of those Upper Deck Evolution cards and, like, immediately regretted it. <laughs> I was like, oh, a Jamie Ben card, and it kind of wiggles back and forth. <laughs> like, and I'll tell you what, like, I was questionable about all of that. And, you know, when when we had Jason Masher on and he talked about e- the Evo and a little bit, yeah, I was kind of in its infancy before it released. There's some really cool-looking things that are on there. And I saw something, and I tried to find it before the show, but I couldn't find it. I saw something on Twitter. Somebody was talking about what they thought was the overall sales of the different releases that they've had up thus far. Mm-hmm. And I was actually surprised at some of the estimates on the numbers. They were way higher than I would expect them. They were in the thousands. And it, I was shocked by that. So I don't know if that's true or not, but it's still going, so it must be doing well. I haven't even really been keeping up with that NHL breakaway. Oh, yeah. The and notices then, I get on that, I just ignore, <laughs> to be well, honest. Well, what was funny was, like, NHL breakaway, they were like, I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk dirt, but I guess I will a little bit, like, they contacted the Hockey News and they said, hey, we're, we're launching this NFT set. And then Hockey News said, well, hey, our guy Sal is actually writing an article about NFTs. Good timing. So then they got me in touch with them. And then I said, hey, I'd love to talk to your brand manager, you know, get a quote for my article. And then they were like, they kept putting me off and putting me off. And then they're like, oh, well, we're just not ready to, to talk about it yet. And I'm like, well, guys, I have a deadline. Do you want to be in this article or not? And they never got back to me. I basically put in my article that they declined to comment, you know? And then I remember when NHL breakaway, when they went to launch, their launch was aborted. It was supposed, they were supposed to launch on like a Friday and it didn't happen. And then they ended up launching on Tuesday because they had some problem with their payment processor. Cause they were using this thing called moon pay, which yeah, exactly. Right. Like, Dude, take PayPal, take Venmo, take a credit card. Once you start getting into these things that you're just making up, moon pay. We're paying in moon dollars. Well, what will $20 get me? That will get you 1.34398 moon bucks, right? I don't know, right? I'm just making that up, right? But I'm imagining. You ha- and you Wonka. have to say it with the inflection. Yeah, like otherwise Wonka, it doesn't work. Right? 
Yeah. Like, uh, I was gonna say, you ever see the Futurama where they go on the the the, the tour of the uh, the Slurm factory and it's like a little Willy Wonka slug with like yes. the top hat? <laughs> That's just what I imagine. Like you know, just like the NFT mascot would just be that little Willy Wonka slug, being like, "Yes, magic coins." I always read their press releases about the drops that they're gonna have, mm-hmm. and every time I go to the page, as soon as I click on it, like everything that's on there always shows sold out. And like there might be one or two things that are current, but they're always super expensive. But the one thing, like you said, it, when they they aborted the initial launch because stuff was screwed up. If you go to the page now, it still says beta at the top. Yeah. So I, I mean, they're releasing things. Obviously, people are buying them because they're showing up sold out. And for those people wondering what Breakaway is, think of what Top Shot was, but for hockey. That's basically what it is. So video highlights. Yeah, pretty much. Like and their current one that they have are like 90s, 1990s players celebration videos. Oh, they're really trying to appeal to us, huh? I I, I don't know what's in there. I didn't see an example of it, but I'm going to guess there's stuff in there that what what could be in there. The 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 team who Solani throw is his uh, glove in the air and shoot it down that thing maybe i don't know yeah yeah ron hextall scoring a goal that that would be a good nft right i could think of i could think of a few 80s sellies you know tiger williams riding his hockey stick oh that was 80s not 90s but yeah my point yeah so anyway so with breakaway and then i know that they were like I think his name is Travis Howe. They're like, Gordy Howe's grandson, Travis Howe, is our brand manager. And he's going to be doing a Q&A on Twitter today at like one o'clock. And I'm like looking at like this email and I'm like, why are you sending this to me now? Like today. And like the email, you could tell the email, Clemente, you, you'll get a kick out of this. You could tell that the email had been rewritten because it like mixed tense and it had like an extra verb or something where they meant to say, he's going to be talking to us tomorrow or whatever. Like they basically like, like they rewrote the sentence, but didn't like finish rewriting it. <laughs> and so I'm like, wow. Okay. Way to, way to proofread that guys. And I'm, I'm not trying to like, you know, like, like spit on them, but it's just like, you know, they wouldn't talk to me and I was trying to help them push their product. Then like their launch of their product was a mess when they email everybody and says that it's dropping tomorrow, be ready. And then it's just like, Oh no, it's not dropping today. We're going to do it Tuesday. And then, you know, just like every time they do something, it's just like, it screws up. It's, it's, it's comical kind of. I think the NHL, just like everything else. And we've talked about it before. They get these sponsorship and jump on the bandwagons too late. Oh, you know, speaking, I'll just mention this really quick and then we'll move on. But speaking of my, that article that I wrote for hockey news about NFTs, when they published it online, somebody like found it linked to the article and basically roasted the NHL about doing NFTs. And so I'm like reading all the comments and I'm like, you know what, as long as they don't make fun of me for writing the article, I don't care. So I'm reading it. I'm like, okay. And they're like pulling like quotes from the story and stuff and commenting on that. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. They're not to say, uh, look at this moron writing about this. Instead they were like, uh, look at the NHL, you know, so two and a half years behind the times. Yeah, but the NFT market, everyone was jumping on that. And so they probably felt the same way, but I don't really hear much talk about it anymore. I don't know if that, if it's a little thing and we just 
don't care for it or if there's a group of people that care about it. But I mean, I have zero interest in buying. There's a market out there. Yeah, there is. There's probably still people out there that collect pogs. I don't know any of those people, but I'm sure they're out there. They exist. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's a very, it's a subset of a subset of a subset. And then they want to make you think it's like, it's like, you know, it's like when Bitcoin was a thing, everyone's like, oh, I got to get Bitcoin as if like, and then, you know, now it's like nobody has that. Nobody uses it, you know. That's so what Tom kind of Brady thing. wanted to use to pay for his, that, his last touchdown. You know, it's the kind of thing. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where I think they want to get you all wrapped up in the moment and jump on this bandwagon. And then it turns out it's like. It's a dud. And then, unfortunately, in this case, you have to have the know-how and the technical ability to deliver this product and this thing. And so you end up having what you guys are talking about, which is like websites that don't work and payment systems that crash. And then it just looks like an amateur hour then, you know, and then and then the website still lives and, you know, in the, the way back machine wasteland that is the Internet. But it's not really a thing anybody. <laughs> I still about. have I still have like five e-tops cards that i never figured how to get out of jail they're still so you, yeah so what do you do with that like can you trade them can you sell them what, i don't what, even know what to do but i bought them i didn't pay a lot for them because i bought all the e-tops cards i bought were like in like 2009 and they were like a buck or two each or whatever and i was just like okay well this is a thing and i should kind of know about it so i started buying a few of them and then I and then every time Tops would be like, "Oh, do you want the delivery of your cards?" They'll be fourteen ninety five per card UPS. And I'm like, "What? I paid like two bucks a card, and you want to charge me fifteen dollars to ship these cards?" And then and then they were like, "Ooh, ooh, we'll do a we'll do a sale. Uh, eight dollars for the first card, two dollars for each additional card." And I go, "Oh, okay." And they're like, "And we're gonna break them out of the slab that we had them in." I'm like, "No, the whole idea of e." ETOPS was that they came in like these graded slabs. I, I don't know if you guys were familiar with ETOPS. Oh, yeah. It was just basically like the whole idea, Clemente, was they would um, say they'd put a card of this. These are like early 2000s. So I'll just use my guy, Chris Chelios, right? Chris Chelios, right? And they'd put his card on sale. And however many sold, sold. So it was a print on demand. Then they'd print them up. They were like shiny foil cards, like uh, Top's Finest. They'd put them in a slab, so they were like graded, and then they would keep them in their vault. And then the idea was if you were like, hey, I want to trade you for that Chris Chelios card, they'd be like, okay, well, I will trade you for that Mike Richter card, right? And then we would just do the trading on the ETOPS website, and it still remains in their vault until one of us decides to take delivery, then they'll, e they'll email, they'll mail it to us. And the thing was, is then they ended up pulling the plug on this project, like, 2010 or 2012 or whatever because you know it, it obviously didn't work they only did cards for a couple i think they did hockey cards for like three years and they might have done baseball for more years i don't know but then people are like well how do i get my cards and then they would they would be like well if you want your cards you got to get them shipped and it's expensive it was always expensive like well, it sounds like the way that they made money with on the shipping not so much the cards themselves and then the second thing is it costs money to store all these cards in their in their office or in their warehouse or someplace. And yeah, you gotta wonder, day, like, they sit in a warehouse in Delaware. And you gotta wonder too, like if 20 years go by, you're saying, Oh, can I get those cards? They might be like, We don't have those anymore. We because you know, you use the you using modern language, you said vault, which nobody used back then. And you you, you know, like 
these are these are terms that today makes it like you're describing almost like com c in a way but well i think they would say i don't know if they use the word vault but tops also has no. the tops vault is like when they sell like their proofs and like slides and negatives and stuff like that they're from the tops vault right from like their archive or whatever that, but that's what they call it like i own things from tops like for instance, I own some original illustrations. Remember the little cartoons on the back of 70s hockey cards? I have yes. about maybe six or eight of like original illustrations that were used for the backs of hockey cards. And each one came with like a Topps vault certificate saying this is an official whatever from Topps. So, yeah. But do you, you remember how that program was originally set up though, right? Yeah. What, eTops? I mean, yeah. No. everything... Everything was released as an IPO, like a stock, and they called it the initial player offering. Remember, yes. and then you could okay. order them all and get them all. And then Tops was like, "Oh yeah, this is great. This is going really well because people were like, oh, this is new, interesting. I'll jump on board.' Remember, they forked out like umpteen millions of dollars, and they bought the Pit.com, so they could, you know, use that to keep their data and everything. It was like a whole big thing back then. And then nobody jumped on the virtual card bandwagon. Nobody wanted any part of it. Sal, I think, I, I, think fanatics, I think fanatics thought your cards. They had my they, cards? I think they, they basically, when they took over tops, decided to throw it. They became like everyone's mother throughout your baseball cards. Oh, no. My my E-Tops cards. I think I have Chelios, Brodeur, and I think I got a couple that I, I – Dude, when I say these would sell for nothing, I mean they would sell for like a quarter. Or like ninety nine cents. So they want you to pay eight bucks to get them out of their jail. So well, no, no, no. The initial player offering right. with right. Link, I didn't buy into that. I didn't know anything about that because that was during that dead time when I wasn't really collecting hockey cards that much. The early two thousands, so that kind of flew under my radar. It was like post two thousand six. I was buying them on the secondary market, either on eBay or there was this other website. Tim, do you remember Card Target? Mm -mm. No, it was called Card was Target, and it was a secondary marketplace for these eTops cards. And like you'd create an account and you could buy and sell them. And so, like, you know, somebody might have it on Card Target for a couple of bucks and you could buy it there, or they'd list it on eBay and you'd buy it. And then they basically, then it would transfer. Like it was, it was actually like built in to transfer to your eTops account. Wow. Are we going deep here? We're talking about something from 20 years ago and it's not even cool. You know, they ended that in 2012 and said they weren't going to produce any more cards. And, but as of like a year ago, I still saw people posting that they were getting their stuff shipped from their account. So when I said that everything's in a warehouse in Delaware, I don't think I was kidding. I think they, they probably are. So if you wanted to cash them out, you still can. Plus, you can put them up for sale on eBay. They honor those sales, too. You just transfer them to other people's eTops accounts. I mean, so. I'd, I'd want to just have them because I collect cards. I, well, I wasn't you got to really... pay for the shipping. That's the problem. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing. Is like, do I really want to spend $15 to ship a $2 card? I mean, it's just like... It... You mean you mean it's like buying cards from Canada? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, you have to check boxes and check dealers and or check Comp C and stuff like that and see if you can find the same ones you have. And if you can get them for two bucks, do it and don't worry about the ETOFs. Forget it. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I just chalked it up as a loss. I mean, I didn't you always be that anything. guy in like the year twenty fifty seven and say, "Hey, where are my cards, tops?" And like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you got rid of that stuff a long time ago, dude. Uh, and then I spearhead some class action lawsuit and like, you know, look, I'm sure if they got rid of all those cards, they would send an, an email to everyone saying like, "You must take these out because they're gonna be they're going away." You know, that's the thing with virtual stuff. It's not. It doesn't feel real. It's like when you, it's like people now have music collections, they're all virtual. They're not CDs, they're not records. They're all sort of living on your device. And if yeah. you're out of business tomorrow, you'd lose all your music. Yeah. Right? So it's just, we live in a world where there isn't a lot of physical, physical, physicality of things, even though when it comes to collectors, we like it. We're, we're still in this mode of touching things and, and, and seeing them in person and, having them in our possession. And maybe that's why the hobby uh, suffers in terms of attracting younger people. I think younger people are just not used to, I mean, I look at my own kids, like they own, everything they own is not tangible. It's all video games, it's music, it's all living on the computer. And it's not even like a video game cartridge. Exactly. Like take it, to a friend's I mean, house. I mean, I'll give you an example, like Nintendo Switch, if you have, you know, I have Nintendo Switch, my son plays it. And you can buy the cartridges, obviously, if you can find the GameStop or a store. But then you can also just buy it, and it's automatically streamed into – it's downloaded into the device. So you know, like you said, you don't even own the cartridge. You don't have to buy it. And so that that's gone. You know, when we see video games from the 90s, we still like, oh, remember that case? Remember that? Remember this? You know, I mean, people are getting that stuff graded now. 20 years from now, there'll be nothing to grade. They'll, Kids will be like, I don't have anything. I mean, maybe Pokemon's the only thing that is sort of still a physical thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. So, you know, every time I try to buy a Connor Bedard game dated moments card, it's like I set the alarm on my phone, I log into the EPAC website, I make sure I'm logged in, I make sure all my payment things are ready to go. And then, you know, then at 11 o'clock, on the dot, I refresh my browser, and then the screen goes blank. <laughs> and then I refresh it again, and it goes blank. And maybe about four minutes in, then, you know, when a website loads, but it's just the text where you see, like, the bunch of links and, like, a bunch of text. <laughs> and, like, maybe the pictures, but they're all sized wrong. Um you know, uh, for those of you who know web design, it's because the style sheet isn't loading. But anyways, so when that happens and you go, oh, that's not good. And then you reload again and then it, it, it looks right. But you can't click on anything. And so once again, it's like I'm buying Taylor Swift tickets and I can't get through. And I don't know why I'm the only one who can't get through. Because when they dropped the first one a few months ago, I couldn't get the first one. The second one that came out a half an hour later the same day, I was able to get that one either because the bro dogs didn't care or they didn't know, or they were like, well, it's not his true rookie card because this is the first one and that's the second one or yeah, whatever. Right. And then when uh, they did one for his Michigan goal and I couldn't get that. And then they did another one for Bedard's first overtime goal a week later. Same thing. It was like, According to me, it sold out in eight minutes. Tim, you have you had an entirely different experience of trying to buy that most recent Connor Bedard game dated moments card. So I think this is where you take over the story because what you have to say is more interesting than what I've already said. I mean, it's not 
much of a story other than the fact that you reached out to me and said, help. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's really what it boils down to. I wouldn't have normally went and done and done that, but you know, I logged on too. So I was trying to get on. I was trying to get on. We were, you know, we were messaging back and forth, like what our experiences were at the exact same time. And it's like, I logged in, but then it almost seemed like it booted me out. And so then I tried to log in a second time, which I got in and I was having the same issue that he was having. The page wasn't loading. The images weren't loading. It was like all sorts of slow. And when I finally was able to get to the pack page where you can buy the packs, the game dated moments packs weren't even, didn't even show up. And I kept hitting refresh and the page would half load and then not load. And then finally there it was. And I looked at the bottom and there's a drop down menu. It'll tell you which cards are available. The Bedard was still there. I clicked on it. You can buy two at a time. So I added two to my cart just to see what would happen. Went to the cart screen. It sat and spun the spinning wheel of death forever. Then all of a sudden it popped up. And I'm like, huh, this is weird. And I put in my, you know, I hit my thing to, to buy it. And then spinning wheel of death again. Only this time it just spun and spun and spun for like six and a half minutes. And the page never loaded. Like it never loaded. And you never hit I'm sitting there. You do anything to it. You just let it go on its own. Yeah, because you shouldn't because it's trying to go through the process of buying. So I, I messaged Sal and I'm like, hey, I'm on the spinning wheel of death and I don't, you know, I don't know what's happening. And then maybe a minute after that, the page didn't load, but I got the PayPal alert on my phone that said a transaction went through. Okay. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. So I gave it a minute, refreshed it again. Now everything's working. So I go to my, so when you buy, when you buy a pack of anything, it shows up in your account under your packs to open. So you go to your packs to open and you click on them and they open your pack and show you what the cards are. Well, there's nothing in there. There's no packs to open at all. So I'm like, all right, well, they charged me for something and your I'm money. going to be pissed if I don't Pick your money. So either, either, yeah, they took my money, but I got nothing here. I'm like, I don't understand what happened. This doesn't make any sense. So I go to my inventory and I just search Bedard because it's not like I have a million Bedard cards. There they were already opened. I didn't have to open a pack. They were already open. They were sitting there. So somehow I ended up with them. I didn't get a gold one, but they're both the regular Let me ask ones. This. How many How many of those are they selling on the site? $11.99. So you're telling me that if, well. I mean, and you can buy are? two. So okay, half so of that. So many people are on there? A few thousand people, you think? And the no, site they have bots. They have well, bots. I, I figured okay. out that if there's 1,200, we'll just say 1,200 instead of 11.99. That they're and if they're selling out in eight minutes, that means that they're selling two and a half Bedard cards every second. Yeah, there, there's bots. There's people. I mean, think about that. Dude, everybody's two, having the same problem. We are. They have. So everyone, everyone's trying to get the shopping cart at the same time. That's the problem because right. Amazon seems to have not, not have this problem. You know, like you know, what I'm saying, like you know, like I feel like you, I and they know this is going to happen every time they put the Bedard card out. You know, how do you second. sell two? How do you sell two cards a second? That means that that means that 
someone placed an order at 11.01 and one, uh, 11.00 and one second. Somebody placed another order at, at two seconds, three seconds. So if they're selling, let's just say 120 are selling every minute, that means they're they're having 60 orders a minute. And it's more than that. It's like, it's, it's one and a half times that. So we've seen the guys with the bro cases. They don't have game dated moments cards in their cases unless somebody traded it to them and they just took it, right? And they don't even want it. They're bots. But aside from the bots, Sal, you don't think that there's 1,200 people who want these cards? There's got to be. I mean, it's not that many. There's 3,000 people that want them. Right. So that's, and that's why. I mean, and it's not the guys in the broke cases. They don't care about game data moments because no. if they can't sell it, like I just looked online, the last one, it sells about for $45, which is a lot more than you would have paid if you bought it on the web, Upper Deck website. But it's not like a, a five thousand dollar card or anything. So these guys don't care about. They care about the pack pulled, young mm-hmm. guns car that hasn't come out yet. That's what they care about. They're oh all- yeah, I saw some guy saying that Bedard won't have a real rookie card until his young gun because somebody right. was trying to sell on. Uh, maybe it was on the Puck Junk group. No, it wasn't on the Puck Junk group. It was on a different Facebook group. I'm on. They were trying to sell like an like an artifacts redemption or something, and somebody's like, "Well, that's not going to be his real rookie card." Well, the only look, the only thing that can help people like us want to get our hands on the Bedard Young Guns card is that the fact that if he hurt his jaw now and is going to be missing a certain number of games, that these guys who are treating Bedard like a stock are going to like they're going to be like, oh no, he's he's not playing and he's not stock isn't going up. So maybe that'll temper the fact that he's hurt closer to the fact that Series Two is coming out could be beneficial in keeping this price reasonable because like i said if, if our only reference point is lafreniere's young guns car and that was six hundred dollars out of the gate then bedard's going to be twice that and it's going to be like ridiculous and so, so give a little historical context when um connor mcdavid had his shoulder injury during his rookie season i remember because i was tracking his rookie card so when his rookie card came out excuse me when his young guns came out it was $275 was the going price. I remember that number because everybody wanted $275, $275. That just seemed to be like the number. $275 and, then, and $2,005, right? And uh, $2015. $15, $15. $15 yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. And then also remember that in January of 2016, EPAC came out. And Upper Deck Series 1 came out on EPAC then. And so there were more... Badar, excuse me, more uh, McDavid Young Guns cards in the marketplace. So now there was on eBay and they were on EPAC. And I remember the card creeping down to about a hundred bucks when he had a shoulder injury. Now this doesn't mean Badar's card is going to get to to that number. I'm just saying. I remember it going down to about a hundred bucks. You know, so yeah, you do definitely see that. I mean, I remember in the 90s when Mario Lemieux had his first set of back problems, like say 1990 or so, 90 or 91 or whatever it was. I remember his tops card and his Opeachy rookie cards becoming more affordable as a reaction to that. Now, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying that, yeah, you get people who get spooked or you get people who just say, mm, all right, who else is out there? I'm not saying that's going to happen here. Just offering a little bit of 
historical information just for discussion. It also may hurt if he's out for a prolonged period of time. It may hurt him in trying to win the rookie of the year. It could hurt him if, if somebody else gets hot at the same time. Mm -hmm. And look, I don't mind seeing other first-year players doing well. I don't want it to just be about one player. But the league is very invested in this, obviously. But, you know, I went to see the Rangers play against the Hawks last week. And so I got to see him play in a, in a, in a real game, not, not at the rookie showcase that Upper Deck put together. And, you know, like when he's flying down the ice and Adam Fox puts an elbow on him, he goes flying. Like, he's he's, he's small. And so well, it's going to happen. Criticisms. It's going to happen that he's going to get hurt or, you know, everybody gets hurt, you know. And he plays a lot, considering, you know, despite the fact that people around me were complaining they didn't see enough of him on the ice. I'm like, yeah, give the guy a break. He's taking a breather, you it's know, like 20 minutes a game. I mean, yeah, I mean, let the guy basically plays a whole period, right? Like if you, you know, combined and, you know, I mean, he gets shots off. He's, you know, he's old. He's very fast, you know, and look, he's only 18 years old. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time, but, you know, he's definitely got the, the ingredients there. We know that we know that, you know, but, well, and we had that brief conversation about Brendan Ottman and making his debut in that yeah. game that you were at. It's right. And it's like, you know, whether you're on or not on the Bedard bandwagon, there's no denying that he's – I mean, that's that's the bill we were sold, and he's lived up to that so far. He's as advertised. But I agree. the thing is, because he's so hyped up, he crosses all bridges, like – to every other person, all the investors have come in and all the other sports are paying attention and everything else. So it's like everybody's so anticipating this young gun to be out because not just hockey collectors are going after it. All collectors are going after it. Every party it, collector of every sport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, like you said, you don't mind seeing other prospects, you know, get a bump a little bit. Well, yeah. Everybody's going to be sleeping on guys like Adam Fantilli and Vronkov and and Bobby Brink and Evangelista and Minchikov and Cooley and Carlson and you know even even Marco Rossi is technically still eligible to be a rookie even right. though his cards came out last year or year before but I mean, and you see what I'm saying there's all these other guys that are phenomenal young talent that are just getting overshadowed. And it does happen every year with young guns. There's usually one or two. There's a really good one in one series one, really good one in series two. Four years down the line, we look back at that same release and we're like, holy crap, this guy's cards in there, this guy's cards in there, this guy. And then all of a sudden now there's five guys in series one and four guys in series two or something of that nature. It happens all the time. Yeah. You know, you, you sit on these things not realizing that they're going to be good because here's the thing prospecting, just like in any sport. It, it, it's kind of it's a guessing game. It, it's the gambler, you know, yeah. it's the gamble. It's the big gamble. You can put all your stock in, you know, a certain guy and think he's going to hit it big. And he's the Todd Van Poppel, you know, or he's the, you know, what's the hockey equivalent. He's the Alexander day. He's the, you know, whoever the next big thing is that is really the next nothing. Lafreniere. Um, <coughs> But excuse me there. But, and still, here's the thing with him. As I call you still have Yeah, and, and you use you use uh, you use Lafreniere as as an example. Yeah, we know what the hype was because we talked about it over and over again and it was crazy. It was COVID. But it's unfair. It, 
And then all of a sudden, yeah, and that's exactly it. It was unfair. Right. I'm, I agree with you 100% on that because yeah. we put all this undue pressure on him. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, he's not out there scoring 50 goals in his rookie season. This guy he's also sucks. a third line guy who barely gets any playing time. So. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, he fall, he starts to fall, starts to fall. People will ignore him and forget about him. the kid's still good. Right. He's well, look not at, a bad player. But it's at, almost like it doesn't yeah. matter anymore. He can score 30 goals a season. The Rangers can win the cup. And it's like, yeah, but he's not, you know, he's not Gretzky. You know, that I mean, because now he didn't impress in year one, year two. It doesn't matter anymore. He can't he can't live back up the hype. So, like I always say, hockey is if you're a hockey collector and you truly want to be a hockey collector, it's the long game. It's always the long game. I look well, all the time really in my, in my Hall buy. of Fame binders, and I see guys in there that it's like back when I was a kid and I was collecting cards. Yeah, these were stars, but these weren't the mega stars. These weren't Gretzky. These weren't Lemieux. These weren't Patrick Waugh. These weren't those guys. But I go through these binders all the time, and I'm looking at all these Hall of Famers going, man, who would have thought? You know, this guy's a Hall of Famer. This guy's a Hall of Famer. This guy's a And I have all these cards of this guy. Well, and it's maybe, like, yeah. Maybe no one cares. Yeah, maybe the key is if, if you're really into Hall of Famers and you want their rookie cards, then wait until they get inducted. So if you, <laughs> you, want, you want to get Bedard's you're not wrong. card, you buy it in 30 years from now. Yeah, because you're not wrong. Is, you don't know. He could he can he can get in the, he can be injured and never play again. And then what? You spent eight hundred dollars on his card. Are you kidding? And I love I love the way people I see this with baseball. Because this happens in like basketball all the time. Too. Baseball and basketball, yeah, everything. But when people go on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, and they bitch about, oh, I spent a thousand dollars on this card, and now this guy is hurt. Woe is me. And it's like, dude, you, you know what you were doing. Not only that, what about the people that go and buy like the John Moran's refractor and they pay like thirty thousand dollars for it, and then and then the guy like is hurt or gets arrested or whatever, suspended, and then what? I mean. Yeah, prime example, Wander any card. I mean, are you Wander kidding? Franco in baseball. There's the Wander example. Franco. I mean, he was he was the Bedard of three years ago for baseball. Everyone wanted his card. The the card off the bat, just the tops regular card was like thirty, forty, fifty, sixty dollars. It was like the guy hadn't even like done anything yet. Wow. And yep. now what? Now now that stuff is is nothing. You can't give it away. And now and now he only dates people younger than Bedard. So. <sighs> You had to go there. But yeah, I no, didn't go I mean, there. He went there. Because you never know when someone can get arrested or hurt or yeah. whatever. And then you're right. The people complain about it. It's like, but who told you to go out there and buy this car? I mean, look, Chicago Sports Spectacular is what, March 18th or 20th? Right? Yeah. Right? And I'm planning to go. So, you know, I'll see you there. But you know that's going to be ground zero for Bedard cards are going to be coming out just a couple of weeks earlier, Series 2, right? Yeah. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I said this in previous podcasts, but yeah, when I did the Spectacular back in November, anything that I had, Connor Bedard would sell. Like, it was just, you know, they'd say, do you have the Easter egg card? And they'd say, no. And they'd be like, okay, what else you got? And they'd look and they okay, I'll buy that. Well, they understood that they were chasing a card that was hard to find and that was expensive. Well, well, we also said that once the Young Guns card comes out, all those other Bedard cards become like, no one's going to ask you what else you got. They're going to be like, oh, 
I think they're going to be necessarily. I think there'll be tons of young guns there because I think they're going to print the heck out of this thing, and people are going to have it. It's going to be out there. I agree. Yes, I, I do feel Easter that egg. like once yeah. once the young gun comes out, the demand is going to plummet. However, if there was a player that this might not apply to, it would be Bedard because there's such a demand for his stuff, and he's in Chicago. I'm not saying that they're going to match the demand or the value. I'm just saying that it could happen, right? Like, I think, yeah, I think the big play. They'll always have a hometown bump in Chicago. Well, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, Chicago. But, yeah, when the Young Guns card comes out and the price skyrockets, the big play is to go after the Easter egg card because that's going to drop. It yeah, or, or the MVP uh, redemption card or the Tim Hortons redemption card. I mean, there's... Which, by the way, we haven't seen yet. We've, we've only seen the redemption. We don't even know what the card looks like, right? So, um, And the Artifacts one has is, is been regularly selling three to 500 bucks. So. Yeah, that's I mean, this is no fun. I mean, I remember... The crazy was... part is we don't even know that Bedard's going to be the Blackhawks one. We know he's the draft pick one, but... He may not even be the Blackhawks card. Yeah, somebody was selling somebody was selling it on on a group, and they're like four hundred dollars. And then somebody's like, "Well, wouldn't you be mad if? Uh, or wouldn't it suck if you bought this for four hundred dollars and it turned out to be Kevin Korchinski?" And then I replied and said, "Oh, Jackson Stauber. No disrespect to either one of them, but that's not the one you're paying four hundred dollars for. You know what I mean? Correct. But, yeah. So. Yep. uh Hopefully he gets one of those uh, Pat LaFontaine astronaut helmets that LaFontaine wore in the 90s when he had the broken jaw. He had like a helmet, like like a, a jaw piece to protect his jaw. Looked well, really badass. Get the whole glass, he might get the whole plastic enclosure or the, or the cage even. Who knows, right? Like, I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why LaFontaine cage. didn't wear that though. He he didn't wear the, the full facial cage, like uh, the the... They call it a fishbowl. Some the, of Bedard's cards from his Canada, his Canada team cards, he's got like that kind of helmet. He's, he's all covered up. So yeah. he, he may want some more protection because, like I said, he gets he gets pushed around. He needs to eat some pizza or something. Bulk up. Well, I'm, sure they, I'm sure they've been bulking him up, but, you know, I mean. I mean, he's 18. Give him, give 18 him a break. 18 years old. They'll probably tell him all day you got to lift weights and just eat like your body weight and like. Pizza and ribs or whatever. You know, Put some when, lifters when, in his skates, raise him up a couple inches. I'll just bring up the all-star game because it was like, I think the they went to the game, the Rangers game. I think that's when they announced the uh, first full, let's see here, uh, 32 players selected for the all-star game. And Connor Bedard was one of them. And they're making this big deal about, oh, he's the youngest person ever. You know, they always make youngest person ever sound like it's this big accomplishment. It just means that your birthday happened to fall on a different calendar day than, than, uh, I mean, Clemente, what month were you born? I was born August. Of 75? Correct. Right. So you are the youngest podcaster ever on the Puck Junk Podcast. How does it feel? I mean, you beat out the previous, oh wait, no, Tim, you're the youngest. Oh, damn. See, see how fast you lost the record when I just remembered that there was another co-host. Well, that's the problem when we try to do math on the air. Right. But when they go, the youngest, the youngest ever to play in an all-star game, it's like, well, yay. Okay, great. Was Gretzky, what, 19 or 20? I, mean, I guess he must have been. 
do we want to count the WHA? Oh, wait, we don't count those records. Well, you, can't, you can't count that. So then, yeah, I guess. No, but technically Crosby would have been the youngest. He got elected and didn't go. So Was there a reason? I think he was hurt or something. Oh, that okay. sucks. Yeah, well, I mean, they made a big deal about Crosby being the youngest team captain to ever captain an NHL team, even though Neil Broughton was younger when he captained the North Stars, but whatever. Okay. But that was not an official record because he wasn't an official captain, even though he's listed in the media guide as an official captain, but that's okay because it's not it's not Sidney Crosby, so we don't care. Nobody collects Neil Broughton, so let's move on. I was gonna say, yeah, I mean, you know, no, no disrespect to Neil Broughton, but yeah, that's a name that isn't gonna resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. So anyway, um, all right, so we got we got the all-star game. We got an NHL All-Star Fantasy Draft on Thursday, February 1st. We got a, a skills competition on February 2nd, and we got the All-Star Game on February 3rd. I always like the All-Star Game, even if it's not, like, 100% awesome. Like, even, like, when people – like, people just love to complain about everything. I mean, oh, the skills competition is so stupid. Like, you know what? No matter what, we should – what we need you to mean, do – You mean the hockey golf not bringing that back, are they? I liked that when they were shooting into the the fountain. I liked that. I knew they had the you had like the 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 uh the fountain shooting up in the air in the background. Like, I think what we need to do is once we figure out the list of events, we need to like lay bets on like what are people going to complain about the most. It won't be this fastest skater because that's yeah. always going to be cool no matter what. Nobody can argue against that. Like, oh, that's stupid. Who cares who's fast? Well, no, it's always the one that they the ones that are. The, the mainstay ones are fine. It's the ones that they rotate, like, you know, the golf one, because it was, you know, in a warm place, but I can see them bringing in something totally, or like the dunk tank. Then they have like a dunk tank thing where they were. They did. Yep. Yeah. With the surfboards. So, right. So, so it'll be stuff like that, that comes and goes that people complain about, but whatever. I mean, it's the all-star weekend. You have to have some fun too. So. Yeah. Anyway. So I guess with the fantasy draft, they're not doing the, the, the conferences anymore, the divisions anymore. Now they're doing team whatever. Or, oh, you can. Oh, okay. So uh, fans get to uh, vote the last 12 players. Fans get to vote on the team captains and fans get to vote out of four out of 12 players that participate in the skills competition. So they're not even letting everybody participate in the skills competition, which I think is kind of a disservice. It's like, Hey, you're an all-star, but eh. We're not going to let you play in any other reindeer games. There's got to be tons of players who are probably like, you know what? I need a couple of days off anyway. I don't even want to be in the All-Star game. <laughs> like, forget what it. happens every year? What happens every year? Guys are like, I don't want to be there. And if you're not going to be in the skills competition, then who cares? You know, see Ovechkin already said if he got elected, he ain't going. So what, and he, what? Said that, he said that plenty of years before this, too. I know. Until they started finding him. But, so you show yeah. up for the draft, but then you don't show up the next day for the skills competition. But then you show up the next day for the uh, for the uh, game. I mean, uh, I guess I don't know. It just the problem seems is, good. it's not going to be a good representation of the people that should be in those events. No, it's going to be the people that ended up in there because of the voting. That's not what we want to see. I mean, do we want to see a trick shot competition with Victor Hedman, or do we want to see it with Trevor Zegras? Right, I mean, exactly. That's that's not no offense to Hedman, great player, but I mean, come on, they want to see something entertaining and electrifying. Yeah, you got to have the personalities there. You got to have 
the over the top kind of thing to draw people in. And yeah, it's not for the traditional hockey fan because it's this is stupid. It's this is waste of a game. Okay, I get it, but it's for fun. And we want to have fun, bring in the fun. Don't just have the fuddy duddy stick in the mud guys there. Yeah. That's my take. By the way, the uh, the the All-Star game traditionally hasn't really done well ratings wise. It's not like the Winter Classic or something like that. I mean, have, imagine having like I know you have to have it break, but imagine having it like outdoors or on, on New Year's Day. That might be more fun, but whatever. I'm just saying that. I would like the All-Star Game to be the Winter Classic on New yeah, Year's Day. I think that would be you, the best of everything. Let's not forget that like there's been some All-Star Games back in the 2000s. They were averaging like a million people. Like the rating was like infinitesimal. I mean, wow. remember, remember the one on Versus? <laughs> no one saw it. I you know. I didn't I didn't see it because it was on verses and I couldn't right. get it. And so yeah. I you know I know it's two podcasts in a row we mentioned verses, but I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> you know the stars so, still run deep 20 years later. Yeah, it does because it shows you how the league can slide into a, a oblivion very easily. Today it's even worse because you have soccer, NASCAR, MMA. There's actually more competition now than there was 20 years ago. So it's very easy to to fall into like sort of a place where you don't want to be. And so the All-Star game is still kind of a showcase. Look, the NBA has struggled with the All-Star game too. It's become kind of a joke and it's a big score and the, people select the slam dunk contest. But they have to also jazz that up because people don't really want to watch it. Um, and we all know. The it's Pro because Bowl. Shaq votes and he votes horribly. That's right. why. <laughs> and we know the Pro Bowl, people really hate that. So – well, it's now flag football. Nobody cares. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't know what to do with it and they nobody wants to be in it. I mean, that the actually the only fun part of the Pro Bowl is they do have two teams that compete in the skills competition. And the yeah. skills are actually kind of fun. My kids love to watch it. It's got this like Nickelodeon kind of feel to it where like guys are running through like foam bricks and they're doing tug of war and they're doing a dodgeball. And that's kind of fun. And so that works. I wish that, they would bring back the quarterback for hockey in some weird way. I don't know what they would do, but maybe you know it'd be a total ripoff of the NFL, obviously. But it's fun, and so you have to make it fun. And how you do that to a new generation is is difficult. But maybe that is an idea. Maybe that is the Winter Classic in the future. Or maybe they do it outdoors, or maybe they do something with it. I don't know. I want I the mean, NFL to bring back the quarterback. Really I mean, the game itself that was, was never close. But the Winter Classic was fun this year. And I think that that still remains kind of a showcase thing for the league. So, What was the quarterback challenge, Tim, since you want the NFL to bring it back so bad? You don't remember the NFL quarterback challenge? Nah. The, the, the different targets and everything? They used to do that all the time. They'd have all the quarterbacks like compete against each other in various events. Accuracy, speed, you know, target, all that kind of stuff. It was always fun to watch. I remember the one year Scott Mitchell won it. It was like, what? Of all the people, you got like Dan Marino and John Elway and and like like, Boomer Siason, right? <laughs> yeah, Boomer and then Joe Montana, like all the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Right. And Scott Mitchell's the one that wins. <laughs> what do you guys think of the Winter Classic? I mean, I know it's it's going to be like two weeks old by the time this podcast drops, but hey, what's our opinion on it? I liked it. I thought it was fun, and I loved the Bowie versus Bissonette thing. 
Bowie oh, the, that was that was fun. That Bowie was fun. the has Seattle it, mascot versus Paul Bissonette is like the greatest has, thing. Has that lawsuit been filed yet? Because that was I, an assault. I mean, no, but first he dunked him in the tank, and then he got him back later by like body slamming him. There's, oh man, that was a straight up elbow to the oh, jaw. The, right, but, so so now I'm going to be naive. Now that was all pre-planned, right? No. Okay, so uh, according to the Chicklets podcast, that okay. was not pre-planned. That was that was just off the cuff. Well, the guy in the suit, in the Bowie suit, could really be hurt. <laughs> I don't know, but I I want to just point this out really quick, not to not to deflect your question, but I love the way when Bissonette, when uh, Liam McHugh said, "Oh, and Paul, you have great concentration because you've been able to say what you're saying and have that staring at you the whole time," and then. Paul looked over and saw that Bowie was next to him. And he was like, whoa! And he like jumped up and then he ran over to Gretzky and he said, protect me, Gretzky, right? And the, the, I, it's a small detail, but I rewound because he goes to he goes after Bissonette. He stops. He shakes Wayne Gretzky's hand. And then he goes back to chasing Bissonette. I just thought that was such a nice touch that like, even though Bowie's like the newest mascot in the league, he still has respect for the great one. He stopped shook his hand like was being very respectful then he went back to the tomfoolery of of of, of trying to clobber bissonette i just i thought that was funny also isn't it set up it, it's set up it, it's a setup but i don't think the things that are happening with it are part of the setup it's set up within the confines of hey we create we're going to create this rivalry let we'll let you two play out the parts however you want and i like think he's going to chase around the studio then you do whatever you yeah. want with yeah, right. what I didn't expect him to do is to turn around and just elbow. clock him with an elbow, and then he, and then he gives him, he, he like gives him the shoulder drop, and he like lands right on him. I'm like, that had to have broken a rib, even with the padded suit. Like he landed square right on him. Yeah, it was oh, fun, so and I funny. thought, oh, it's got to be totally a setup because I thought, yeah. well, you know, what if someone gets gets hurt? Like that would be bad, but. <laughs> I think this is just one that's gonna and, and and Biz is playing the part really well. Like he, I think he's doing a great job of it. And I, I think it's funny. Oh yeah, he's he, actually he keep going with character. it. Exactly, yeah. character to that whole studio show for sure. And, and see, we've talked about this before. The TNT show originally came out modeled sort of after the NBA show, where they just go off the cuff and do whatever like and stuff. And, and, right, right. It, and, and if you watch the NBA show, you know, like at, Chris, at Christmas time, there's always the running joke where Shaq gets tackled into the Christmas tree. Right. Like it happens every year, and that's what they do. So it, it's stuff like that that makes it show kind of lively and, and way more. It makes you want to watch it, which is more than I can say for the ESPN version. Way more than I can say for ESPN. <laughs> now, ESPN like, do like stuff like this because ESPN. Is still doing stuff they were doing 20 years ago. I mean, they don't, you know. Yeah, so. they're trying, they're just keeping it kind of straight and even keeled and whatever. It is what it is. ESPN can't wait to change the subject back to college basketball. That's just how I feel when they do their, their hockey thing. It's like 959. College football or the NFL. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. anything to not talk about hockey. And the second that they don't have to anymore, they don't. And I, mean, I kind of feel bad for those that toe the line for hockey and have with that corporation for so many years, you know, the Bucci's and, and those guys. 
um, you know, Steve Levy, who I think is kind of, you know, he, he's done other things other than that, but he's one of the, one of the OGs when it comes to hockey coverage. And those guys I feel bad for because I think ESPN's doing a disservice. They, I really do. They could have done a lot more with it. Yeah. And the, but they, you know, they, whatever. Worldwide leader, more people watch it. So I guess you're getting hockey in front of more eyeballs, I, I assume. But you want to touch on uh, the professional women's hockey league since you've been watching those games? I, yeah, I don't we, even know where to find them. So I know they're like, hey, there's also a women's hockey game on. I was watching the Winter Classic, so I wasn't going to change, but I didn't even know where to look. So in the U.S., they're live on YouTube. Okay, all I need so, to know. Yeah, live on YouTube. Go to go to the PWHL's YouTube page. They broadcast them all live. All the game, in fact, all the games are on there now. So if you missed any of them, you can go back and watch them. The coverage that's, is good. That's, that's a smart move because. Well, yeah. I will tell you, I've watched three games so far. There's been five, I think. I've watched three of the five. They've all been really good. It's actually been really good hockey. They've been very physical, which you don't expect them to be. And I've been pretty well entertained. And I and read there's a that, lot of I read the crowds in Canada were huge for them. Yeah, so so it started off. So this was on January 1st. The first game was on January 1st. So a lot of going on January 1st. You got everything. To, for them to compete with. So broadcasting on YouTube in the U.S., um, they're broadcasting on CBC, TSN, and Sportsnet in Canada. They actually had, what they, it came out 2.9 million viewers across Canada uh, for their viewership. I don't know what the YouTube count was in the U.S. Um, but, you know, first game they had Billie Jean King and Jaina Hefford out there drop the ceremonial puck. Um, that was New York versus Toronto. New York won in a, sh- in a shutout, 3-0. Hmm. So you had, obviously, the first goal scored. So for those of you that want bar trivia, first goal scored in PWHL history was Ella Shelton, one-timer from Ovi's office. Um, and she scored for New York. Uh, Kareem Schrader faced 29 shots, saved them all. So she got the first shutout. In the first game, uh, so there was a lot of a lot of firsts happened there. Uh, Ottawa played Montreal uh, a couple days later. I think it was the next day, Montreal won in overtime. Um, that game actually set the highest attendance for all women's professional hockey. There was like eighty three hundred at TD Place in Ottawa. Um, now, before anybody goes and says anything, yes, there were over fourteen thousand. In Seattle, when the U.S. played Canada in the rivalry game a couple years ago, but that's technically not professional. So, so this was this was the record at that point. So then you had Minnesota, Boston. Uh, the next day, Patrice Bergeron dropped the dropped the puck. Um, Taylor High scored for Minnesota, first goal she had. She she's the number one draft pick um, in the league. So. Um, New York played Toronto again in a rematch. Toronto won that one. And then they had the Montreal-Minnesota game, which broke the attendance record they had set two days earlier. 13,316 fans. Was that in Montreal? Wow. That was in Minnesota. Wow. Yeah. And that game saw – Montreal won the game. That that game saw the first hat trick of 
the league. Uh, Grace Sumwinkle scored the hat trick in that one. So, like I said, it's it's entertaining hockey. I know there's going to be plenty of people who are like, I'm not watching women's sports. Fine, whatever. If you like hockey, it is it is entertaining. You can call it whatever you want. I enjoyed the games that I've watched so far. So, so I'm in. That that's all I could say about that. Uh, yeah, no, very cool. I just want to touch on this. Uh, William Nylander getting paid lots of money to remain with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, he signed, got a couple bucks. Signs an eight-year, ninety-two million dollar contract. So that's eleven and a half million a year. To play in Toronto, he's 27 years old. This deal will take him until he's 35. Uh, He currently leads the team in points and is second on the team in goals. So I guess that's good for everybody. I mean, good for Toronto, good for Nylander. Kind of nice to see him stay with one team. I'm glad that players can move around and change teams, but it's because it's good that they have more control over their careers than they did 30 years ago. But at the same time, it's also a little sad when you have like a player that you like, and then he like changes teams every couple of years. And, you know, we talked about that on our podcast, this changing teams affect player collecting and and this and that. And do people still stick with the player? Do they stop collecting them or whatever? And I mean, if you're a Maple Leafs fan, if you're a Nylander fan, this is this is a good thing. I'm always weary of a very long contracts. Oh yeah, the last three years are always always yeah, incredible. I mean, like like when you were saying like how many years he's got and how much money they were giving him, all I kept thinking about was Rick DiPietro. So you know, not it's not that long, but I'm saying it's and it's nice to have a guy play for one team. But I don't know. I feel like. If you're right. If they get three, four good years out of him, that'll be it. And the rest will be like, they're just paying the guy. I think Rick DiPietro's contract looked like a bad idea from day one. It didn't it was even. A 15 year, it was a 15 year contract. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he was never gonna, I, it was crazy. You know, it was going to, you know, it, it was like Bobby Bonilla. Yeah. Um, but, but like back when, like, say, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves signed their identical contracts with the Blackhawks for, forget how much it was, 8 million a year, 10 million a year. I, I forget. And it was for however, they both had the same amount of years in their contract, same amount of money. The fact that nobody was thinking this is going to be a terrible deal in 2021. Everybody was just like, yes, let's win another cup. You know what I mean? That That's just what, like how it is. Like nobody, nobody looks at these deals and go, man, Toronto's going to be regretting this in seven years from now. They always go, hey, good. They locked them up for eight years. I'm not a Maple Leafs fan by any means. And Clemente, like you said, you don't like long the long-term deals. I don't like the fact that they're wrapping up the bulk of the money that they have in two guys, right? Because they already paid Matthews, and he's worth it, yes. Is Nylander worth it? Yes, he is. But if you're going to drop all of this money and wrap it up in two guys – especially if you're willing to pay all this money to a one-time 40-goal scorer, what are you going to do with Mitch Marner? Yeah, because you know, you read my mind. I was thinking of him, like, what are you going to do with him? You going to offer him it, five years, too? Or, you know, whatever. I mean, Yeah, him gonna, and Tavares become free agents next year. Both of those guys become – Tavares and Marner both become free agents in 24. And so, they're going to leave. They're going to leave. I mean – Yeah, 
I mean, how are you going to – you haven't won a cup since 1967, right? So how are you going to keep the band together? You know, just like we were talking earlier about how is it that teams back in the old days could, like, make super teams, you know? Here's your chance at building a super team. How are you going to keep them together? Salary cap's going up a million dollars next year. Okay, great. Is that enough to give Martyr the money that he deserves, who routinely gets, you know, 90 to 100 points a year? I mean, he's going to get paid too. Either you're going to pay him or he's going to go somewhere else. So I don't know. I don't know. But but you don't let Nylander go either. So what do you do? You know? We'll see in basketball and in other sports, guys get like three-year contracts, you know, and then if you give five guys three-year contract, you keep the band together. But yeah. if you're giving one guy seven years, another guy five, another guy's a free agent, he's leaving. And then and then I don't have salary cap issues, but Toronto isn't building a team for the future unless they're building it around just two guys. And that's not really the way you build a successful team in, in the National Hockey League in 2024. Well, and look, you got Matthews. He's going to make what? What's he's thirteen point two million. Well, he's he's are... he's a star. So yeah, he's a yeah. five time forty goal scorer. He's right. got sixty a couple years ago. Yeah, no, he's you know? yeah. I mean, heart trophy, all of all of that. Yeah, Great. no, he's a superstar. I mean, you don't want to lose him. You lose him, the whole team's gone. But you also have you also have Marner, who, like I said, he's between ninety to hundred points every year. So it's like. You need an A and an A1, a 1A and a 1B. You need something like that. And a lot of teams have that. It's just trying to fit it under the cap and to pay these guys. They also have Morgan Riley, Max Domi, like these guys, right? Like, I mean, they have a good team. It's just a matter of, you know. Role players they can get. I mean, you can right. you can wheel and deal for those guys. I mean, they're going to be teams like the Rangers and the Bruins, and those teams are going to gobble up these guys because they have money. They're going to take them. That's that's exactly it. The teams with money are going to swipe these guys up. So do you let them walk, right. or do you just you blow your whole cap on three guys and hope you can fill in the blanks with, you know, guys league do. minimum to a million one guys that you can bring up and down between the Marlies and your. In the main club, I don't know. I mean, isn't that isn't that the way Seattle and Las Vegas built their teams? Sort of. Vegas built their teams out of making deals with people, saying, "I won't draft this guy if you give me this, this, and this." Well, that yeah, Seattle, but I mean, yeah, you know, and after six years, you know, whatever. But Seattle did theirs slightly differently, which is why they were not very good coming out of the box. But now look at them. You know, oh, know. They, they've built a team full of maybe not household names, but guys that know how to win and guys that have some experience. And, you know, they're out there and they have something to prove. So I don't know. I just don't like spending all that money on like one or two players. And then, then what do you do? Penguins always run into the same problem with all of their guys. Despite Crosby taking a hometown discount and, and all of that kind of stuff. There's just so much parity in the league and with the salary cap the way it is and not changing for as long as it has and now only going up a million bucks. Yeah, a million bucks could be another player. Could be maybe even two players depending on how you you know, how you move it around, but these teams with some stars like that, like a Marner that has to be signed, given Nylander as much as he has, that kind of sets the bar. It's here now. 
So where are you going to go? You got to go above it. So good for him, though. I mean, get your bags now because you won't have them later. <laughs> I want to end the podcast by talking about collecting resolutions because this is something that I talked about in an email newsletter and threw out on social media and said, oh, yeah, I want to talk about collecting resolutions for 2024 because I know like in the past I've made resolutions for myself. Like one resolution I made was when I buy a set of cards, check it immediately to make sure that all the cards are there. Because there have been times where I bought like sets at a show or on eBay and then a set arrives and I go, oh, good. I got this complete set of all 600 cards, right? And I don't look at it. And then one day I sit down and I start going through it. And then I go, oh, it's missing four cards. And then I can't remember where I bought it or who I bought it from, right? So like, that's like an example of like a resolution that I made where I just said, you know what? When I get the set, check it right away. Make sure it's got all the cards. You know, another one was to stop hoarding cards, like certain cards, because I'd be like, how many Mario Lemieux rookie cards do I really need? I know that's it's kind of a silly question because, you know. Infinite. Infinite, right? But like, I get to a point where it's like, yeah, I like this card, but do I really need another one? Hmm, probably not. Wouldn't I be better off spending the money on a card that I actually need for my collection? Yeah, okay, maybe, right? So, you know, every year I try to give myself a resolution. Um, I asked you guys to think of a resolution. I don't know if you have any, but I'll read some of the ones that, you know, just to get us started on this, some of the ones that our listeners shared with us on social media. So like Lee Alexander said, my goal is to complete the 22-23 OPG base set and try to get a decent start on the Zdeno Chara Rainbow from that set as well, given it was his last season as an active player. Another guy who goes by the name on Facebook of Igor Popinski says, spend less money on cards. Okay, I think we can all relate to that. Our friend Paul Buxton says, prioritize organizing and paring down the collection versus adding a lot of new items. Okay. Jeremy Termini says, to downside my, my collection so I could focus on a smaller personal collection. Austin Hancock, who sadly his father passed away uh, recently. So he's been going through his father's collection and just kind of seeing what he had. And he said, you know, finishing the database of my dad's collection sending a few of the items out for grading and authentication and adding a couple of cards that I know that he wanted. So that's, that's his resolution. And one other one to read um, on Twitter goes by buds all day, reduce collection clutter, finally send my cards home from com C or EPAC, get a cool Josh Allen card, probably a patch because his autos are expensive. Prioritize quality over quantity. True that. Buy less retail, also true that. Uh, there's probably more, but that's all I got right now. So kind of a nice range of collecting resolutions. A couple of similar ones there, but I think all ones that we could relate to as collectors. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, every year my resolution is to organize my collection. And so I kind of do a good job halfway through. And then a couple of card shows come around. I, I buy stuff. And then I just like stick it in boxes or in like random places. And then before I know it, you know, you know, you have a problem. No, it, it turns into a thing where you're like, oh, I mean, I've been, I've been at shows where I'm like, do I have that card? I'm not sure. 
And so if I had everything like in Google Sheets or in a, in a, in a, in a database where I can just say, well, I already have that. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about sets. I'm talking about like individual, you know, like singles. And so I want to be able to, to do that, organize it that way. The spending less is, you know, that's always something we aim for. But what I, what I do is I, I like to go through my collection and then there's stuff I just don't want anymore. Like you, it was something you were interested three years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to sell this and then use that money to buy new stuff. Another resolution is, is not, I agree not to buy retail, even though I won't keep that resolution. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fold. I'll, I'll be at a target and you just want to rip something for fun. Like it's like a therapeutic. It's the empty calories of uh totally as Sal says. And it really is. It's like Chinese food. You, you you crave it or pizza. You want it. You eat it, and then you're like, "That was a mistake." And so that's what happens. Don't buy artifacts. Retail. It's like no good. <laughs> yeah, but, for the one autographed card in every twelve hundred packs or whatever. Right. Whatever so if you buy hobby, it's it's great. If you buy hobby, if you buy retail, it's like whatever, you know. So I mean, this just gotta be smart. In terms of a buyer and, and don't have FOMO. Like that's my goal. Like not that FOMO. And to, to make that resolution in a Bedard year is gonna be extremely difficult. But I'll, I'll say this really quick about retail. I think the one exception, and I've 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 kind of beaten this horse to death, but I'll continue to beat it, is the FLIR metal, excuse me, skybox metal, skybox metal universe always seems to be a good idea to buy retail on those because the hobby boxes on those are so disproportionately out of range especially that first year that those 2021 boxes and like i did the math and like for like the same amount of money you can get more cards as retail packs the only downside is it's harder to get an autograph i actually have gotten autographs from blaster boxes of, of skybox metal but that's like the one exception. And like I said, that's because I always find that the hobby box is disproportionately overpriced compared to what a few blasters would cost you. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And then my other, my final resolution isn't really hobby related, but it is hockey related. I do want to go to more games this season because it's been years I haven't been to games. I've already been to one Ranger game in 24. I went to an Islanders Penguins game in 23 because my brother-in-law had extra tickets. And so I went to that. So my daughter and I, you know, kind of figured out like something that is not, you know, novel at all. But we, we just realized if you want to go to a Rangers game in New York and you want to buy tickets like today for a game in a week from now or two weeks from now, it's going to be 200 to $300, right? But we also figured out if you're willing to go to a game like two hours before it starts and you go on StubHub, you can pay 60 bucks. So I said to her, look, one day we're just going to be like, hey, we're going tonight and we're going to like walk up to the garden and buy tickets on our phone like 10 minutes before the game starts. And we're just going to go for $60 because people get desperate and want to dump their tickets. And so unfortunately, that's the only way you get to see a game in a big market like New York. Otherwise, you, you can't go. It's too expensive. And so we haven't done that yet, but we were going to do it for the game tonight against the Canucks. We're like. You know how much are tickets? And like on Sunday they were two fifty six. The nosebleeds mm. a ticket per ticket, and literally at like six forty five, they were fifty six dollars. So 
So you could get in. You just have to, you just have to go with the idea that hey, it's a spur of the moment thing, and we're buying tickets like literally half hour before. Otherwise, you just don't go. And you know, so that's the only way to game the system. And if the Rangers get really good, and they are good this year, and they make the playoffs, these prices are not going to go down. They're only going to get more expensive. But thankfully, you know, there's so many games, so many home games that there's always a chance to go. So that's my my final resolution. Those are all really good. You know, the one thing I'll say about the uh, disorganized stuff is that I find that, like, what I started doing is, like, all that stuff that needs to be organized, I tend to put it all in the same box, so at least I know where to find it. Like, hey, where are those cards that I bought at that show last month? Oh, they're in that one shoebox, along with the cards that I bought three months ago, along with the things that I bought from eBay that I haven't yet dealt with. So that's been my workaround is at least to put them in one place so that I can at least find them. So I have a similar system to your, to your system. I still have cards from the national in that box that I haven't done anything with yet. So I'm like six months behind more. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, it even took me a while when I bought those old cards from the national, they sat on a table for like two months before I put them in one touches and, 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 you know, like actually like did what I wanted to do with them, you know, file them away or put some on display or whatever. It's, it's a hobby. So we can't put all of our time into it, but yeah, like we just have to um, do what we can. I I'll share my resolution. Cause you know, I was originally like, Oh, I need to be more organized, but you know what? That's every year. And that's just part of collecting anyways, is being organized. Like, I read somewhere like the difference between a collector and a hoarder is that a collector has a system and a collector is organized or tries to be organized and there's some methodology to what they're doing, right? Whether it's I collect only penguins or I'm trying to collect every top set from 1956 to 2002, right? You know what I mean? Like there's a goal, there's a method, there's some sort of organization versus like, I'm just going to buy cards and throw them in this room and never look at them, right? Which kind of feels like what we do, but you know, so for me, like the getting more organized, that's just an ongoing thing. But I realized that one thing that I've been putting off, it's part of organization, but it's specific. I have a lot of hockey toys, starting lineup figures, McFarland sports picks. If you remember the headliners, they were those three inch tall bobblehead figures that came out in like the late nineties. There were Prozone, which were like 12 inch dolls with like cloth clothing. There's like a lot of other like one-off types of things like heroes of the ice, which were terrible. And anyways, there were all these different sports or hockey toys specifically that I collected. And I'm fairly organized with some of them. Like I have a spreadsheet of my starting lineups but then, like, the last two years I've been buying starting lineups, marking them off my spreadsheet, and then they're just I'm just they're just in a box. Like, am I going to open them, take the card, put the card in the page with my other cards, put the figure in a baggie, put it with the other figures? Oh, I have extras of this. Am I going to sell it? Am I going to get rid of it? You know what I mean? Like, so I'm, I'm kind of, like, quasi-organized with my starting lineups, and then everything else is just a mess. Like... Even my McFarlands are like, I have them bagged with their sticks and their bases, but 
I might have mixed up some of the sticks on the move when I heard the move when I moved from one apartment to another apartment. So I don't even know. You know what I mean? Like, so that's just become kind of an albatross because look, I'll go to a show and I'll find like starting lineup figures for like five bucks. And I'll be like, I think I still need a 1994 Mario Lemieux. Do I? I guess I do. Or yeah, my spreadsheet says I do, but then I buy it and it's like, then I need to like put it away. Like kind of like the card thing, put it away. Right. So that's my resolution. I'm going to start looking into my hockey toys and figure out what to do with them because unlike cards, toys take up a lot of room. Tim, what about you? I have no resolutions. Resolutions are stupid. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my stoner negativity. Um, the uh, were you overwhelmed by our stories? Yeah, I feel very nonplussed right now. I don't have an original story to share because I'm very unoriginal. Um, <laughs> wow, but I could share what other people and just steal their ideas and, and just restate them over and over in a different way. And maybe they'll maybe they'll appeal to somebody. Wow, one of my goals I don't have resolutions, I have goals. In all seriousness. And I don't verbally set those goals because then I'll never do them. And that's another reason why I don't make resolutions because resolutions, like I said, are stupid. And I, I fully believe that because all the people that come out and say, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to stop smoking and drinking and eating and everything. If you try to stop doing something that you like doing, it's not going to happen. So... That's why I try to like avoid all that kind of stuff. So organizing, I'm always organizing. It's not a resolution necessarily. It's just what I do. Um, you know, I've been collecting cards since basically 1986. I've got a lot of cards. I've got a ton. I mean, I could organize every day of, every day for the entire year, and I probably still wouldn't be fully organized because of how much I have and how I have my collection set up and how I have different PCs going and, and this, that, and the other. What I will say is by the end of this year, I want to have my checklist complete, at least as far as completion can be. That is one goal that I have. And if you're wondering what checklist are you talking about? Well, I'm a Pittsburgh collector, so I collect penguins mainly and Steelers and also pirates. A lot of people can't believe that when they hear that because there aren't any pirate fans left, right? But yeah, I do. And I have a very extensive checklist of just those cards for those teams. Not specific players, all the players. So every release, I have checklists for all of it. And I have them broken down by manufacturer, brand, and all of that kind of stuff. But they're ongoing and they're always a work in progress because I'm always adding things and changing things and moving stuff around. So like you said, having a checklist and being able to know, did I buy that already? Do I already have that? Should I buy another one? This, that having those is great. And I want to have those done by the end of the year. I would love to cut back on spending, but again, making resolutions that cut out something you love generally don't work. So I can say I would like to not spend as much because at the end of last year, I made the mistake of going through my PayPal account and running a report and going through it and breaking down what was card 
related. And that was a very eye-opening experience. I'm not a high roller by any means. I mean, Clemente, you saw in action my anxiety coming out when I wanted to spend a hundred bucks on like a bunch of vintage cards. Like I was freaking out. I'm like, I don't do this. But I, remember, I think you said I think you said that when you when you were doing it. I don't, yeah. like, I don't do this. Yeah. Like I, I'm going to like I'm gonna give myself a swirly in the bathroom later because I I don't do this kind of stuff. So but yeah, I sat down and I broke it all down like Here's what I loaded into my ComC account, and here's what I spent on eBay, and here's what it cost me in shipping and on EPAC and everything else. And I'm like, wow, that doesn't even count anything that I spent at shows or at my local card shop or doesn't even touch on the amount of money I've spent on supplies over the past year. So, and I probably spent more on supplies than I have on actual cards, to be honest with you buying binders and pages and everything else. So that's really it. They're not really resolutions. They're just, if I can cut back on what I'm spending. And honestly, if I could get into the selling aspect of things, everybody keeps telling me, you don't want this stuff. You got to sell it. Sell, sell, sell. I'd rather trade. I would so much rather trade. The problem is trading is not like it used to be. And there's very, very, very few people out there that are willing to trade like I want to trade. Yeah, like, if you, for more on that, see our trade night episodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll grab it. You know, you're a Dallas Stars collector. I'm a Penguins collector. You got a bunch of Penguins that, that you don't want. I got a bunch of Stars I don't want. Here's my Stars. I'll take your Penguins. Boom. Let's go on our way. You don't care about the cards. I don't want to sit there and figure out what every card's worth. Oh, yours are worth $40 and mine are worth $37. So I need three more dollars. That's not that's but, not what I do. Tim, but the way you want to trade isn't the way people trade anymore. You're, no, you're, and that's why. Right. That's why it, I can't trade. Is, trading is like I have a $1,000 card. You have a $2,000 card. And it's not about like the way you want to do it. So Yeah, and yeah. that's why, you know, again, I can sit here and say, I want to write more and post on the blog or contribute more to puck junk and put articles up there. I could say that, but well, I'm not you a writer. Should say that. And I'm not a it. writer. I am not a writer and there's not a lot Fair. that motivates me to write. Am I opinionated? Obviously. Do I have a lot to say? Absolutely. But I'd rather say it than write it down. And so that's part of the issue there. Am I a seller for cards? Absolutely not. Which explains why i have an entire room that's just full of this stuff because i can't get rid of it would i like to get rid of it and use that money to buy new stuff yes is that the ultimate goal yes is it a resolution no because do i think i'm gonna end up at the goal line at the end of the year absolutely not but i might try don't think i'll be successful at it you know would i like to trade more of course but as we just said it doesn't happen I have a few people that I send cards to. They send cards to me. Yeah, it's like the infinite trade and it goes on forever. You know, I could do that with you two. But there aren't many people out there that there could be that never-ending thing that just you give me what you want, I give you what you want. We're putting cards in the hands of collectors that like them more than I do. You know, that's that's always been my my thing when it comes to that kind of thing. Hey, you like this card more than me? take it 
Like, what's it doing with me? I, it's sitting in a box. I don't care. So if you want to call that a resolution, yeah. So if I have to call these resolutions, spend less, scale down, and get my checklist done. Those are my three things. So if you have to put a label on them and call them resolutions for the show purpose, fine. But I'm not labeling them as that. I like that you called them goals. I think that's a better way to, to put it. And, you know, I just want to say really quickly. Goals have to be attainable. They can't be like yeah. some crazy thing that you can never get to because you'll eventually give up because you know you're never going to make it. No, no. And like, like I mean, that's exactly it. Like when people say they want to lose weight, well, that's such an infinite goal. And like yeah. when I lost weight during the pandemic, when I just said, all right, I have no excuses because I don't have to go to work. I'm working online. I can't play hockey anymore. So I have no outlet for exercise. I said, if I'm going to lose weight, this is the time to do it. So I, I told myself like, I was just like, hey, I'm I'm up at I'm up to 215. Can I get back down to 205, which is what I weighed before the pandemic started? I just wanted to get back to my pre-pandemic weight. And then once I got there, I was like, can I get to 200? Right? Like that was like that was just a thing for me it was incremental and that's like the same with like organizing. Like instead of me saying I'm going to organize my collection, I'll say I am going to organize my cards from the past two years and put them in order and decide what I'm going to do with the comments, right? Like that's right. a more attainable goal versus like, I'm going to organize my collection. That's infinite, right? That, that, that could be anything. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. like the old phrase, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, and, when we and that's what you have to do. Little bite. When we started trading, like when you and I started hanging out at shows, like, God, 10, 13 years. No, this was pre-2000. I think we, 2009, maybe, 2008. This was a long, long time yeah. ago. It was and, eight or eight. And so. when we were going to trade cards, I remember you just handed me a like a, like a 400 count box of cards and said, here you go. And I said, oh, well, um, okay, I'll, I'll look through it. And you're like, no, you're all, they're all cards you need. I said, well... I didn't bring you 400 cards and I like handed you like a little stack of cards and you're like, no, that's fine. I'm like, well, why don't I just take 10 from the box of cards that you're getting? No, no, just take them all. I'm like, oh, okay. And there was this other guy and I, I love trading with him. His name was Nick Buffano. Not was, he's still alive. He just moved away. Nick Buffano. And he was from the area and the three of us would get together and we I would just- Nick. It was great. And we would just trade cards. You would pass me to an 800 count box of cards. I would pass you like, I'd be like, well, I didn't bring you much, just a bunch of cards from 82 or whatever. And you're like, well, hey, these are from 1982. And a Nick who would buy like artifacts, he'd end up with like extra base sets and be like, here's a base set for you. Here's a base set for you. And oh, do you guys like Panini, whatever, right? Well, here's a base set for you. Here's a base set for you. Thing going as much as I, I i know it's not going to happen to do that if there's people out there call me text me whatever how nonplussed you are to trade with me yeah so anyway the long story short or short story long whichever one um yeah if we're labeling them those would be my three resolutions and uh that's it that's all i got I was going to say shorter podcasts, but uh, we've already broken that resolution for 2024. 
Mm. Well, we have, we have two weeks into one, so that's yeah, fine. pretty much three weeks, man. I mean, this three, is like maybe. it's a jumbo episode. You can listen to it in parts. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. I mean, we uh, we did quite a few. Actually, I'll tell you right now. So when we relaunched the podcast in 2019, we did 14 episodes from September to December. Okay, and that was when we relaunched the show in 2019. In 2020, we did. 41 episodes in 2020 of course dang home during the pandemic so i had lots of time to edit we had all the time if we wanted to do a podcast on a monday and another one on a wednesday we could so 2020 we did 41 episodes 2021 we did 26 episodes i don't know why 2021 was less because there was still like lockdown stuff 2022, we did 31 episodes. Okay. And in 2023, so last year, we did 36 episodes. So that's not bad. That's like one every 10 days or so. So I think my goal would be to try to do at least what we did last year, if not a little more. I mean, 52 in a year is kind of unrealistic because... It's 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 a lot of work for a, a small crew that doesn't make any money off of the show other than when you buy a t-shirt at shop.puckjump.com. That helps. But, you know, that just offsets my costs for things like StreamYard and podcast hosting and stuff like that. But it also yeah. gives you something. You're going to contribute. Guess what you have to show for? A t-shirt that you can wear. Yeah. Oh, I got into, I got into some fight with some knucklehead on Twitter. It was like one of these hobby accounts that have been around since like 2020 or 2021, you know, a real recent account that somehow has like 12,000 followers and like, let me know what you're looking for in the hobby and I'll, I'll retweet it and help you. My tip jar is open if you'd like to contribute, smiley face. And I replied, I said, why does a Twitter account need a tip jar? And then somebody got all like defensive on him and like, well, why can't he get a tip jar? Why do you get to sell t-shirts? I said, because when I sell a t-shirt, people are getting a t-shirt. When somebody Everything has a tip jar now, man. I go to a fast food restaurant and the first thing it asks me is, do you want to leave a tip? For what? For what? <laughs> like what? You did a great I understand job. You only make, yeah. I understand you make eight bucks an hour, but you know what? Go work somewhere else. You did a great so. job of ringing up my order. I'm not trying to offend people that work in fast food, but I'm not leaving a tip at McDonald's or Burger King. I'm not going to those places either, but still. Potbellies was the one today. I went and got a potbelly sandwich because I like potbellies. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing Yes, Tip. You made my sandwich that I ordered. You didn't serve it to me. You just handed it to me over the counter and I paid for it. And I went and sat down and ate my sandwich. I think there needs to be two rules of, with fast food. I feel like if you have to fill your own drink cup, you don't leave a tip. And I also feel that like if you That's have a good to point. and if you have to fill your own drink cup, then refill should be free. Because if the drink machine is where I can get to it and I can refill my cup, but you tell me no, no, you can't do that. You have to go and pay for another drink. No. I, I've I never been BS. anywhere like that. There's I places to do that. Yeah, some some like little fast food type places, like the mom and pop types. Like there was this one hot dog restaurant I'd go to on the drink machine that say refills are not free. And it's just like, 
dude, it's right here. I can get to it. What's stopping me from doing it? Honor? There's no honor among the thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no honor among the thirsty. All right. I think we should wrap it up. Any yeah, last... I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Yeah, I, I think this is, like I said, where we just run out of things to talk about. We start just getting delirious on Gatorade and, and whatever else we're drinking. Okay, then. Well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. Happy 2024. Thanks for your support. And until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.